So, uh, Joe, yeah. Joe, 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 yeah. Joe, 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 Hey, Joe. Um, did you, uh, did, did you already do the Batman, the first one, second part? Because, uh, we have the first half where I was listening to that and we we're like, Hey, happy. Yay. Yes. But then I was thinking like, man, the second half, the second half, if somebody only listens to the second half of the podcast, they're going to be like, Hey, they must not like this movie, but that's not true. So maybe we should throw together something and be like, uh, previously on the rewinders. And then be like, uh, start playing that, that song. It's like, and then like you have clips over the top of it. It's like, I love Batman. That part where it's awesome. Yeah. Just so people know we liked it. I can just put that in there. So that will roll us into what are the things that we didn't exactly care for in this the movie? The Amex card bit. I was yeah. happily watching that movie and ha- happily watching the movie and that scene, that that one line pulled me so far out of the movie. Uh-huh. I, I, I stopped watching for a good 10 minutes. Like the movie was running, but I wasn't like paying attention to it. Yeah, you're invested, and then all of a sudden you're just catapulted into freaking space. It's just, it's it's a it's a wonderfully goofy scene out of absolutely nowhere. It'd be like if you know all of a sudden he just lifted up a jar of Grey Poupon and said, "I never leave home without this," and spreads it on a sandwich quick before he goes fighting. Right. It's it's just such a weird <laughs> placement. And I get it. I get why they do it, but still, I'm gonna go in the same vein as that. When I watched this movie, this is the first time I've seen it in probably six years, seven years. It's a lot more campy and it's a lot more shot like the 60s or 60s show than I remembered it being. I was really, really, really put off by the janky, you know, sideways camera angles constantly through the whole thing. And it just really, really reminded me of the 60s show. Just darker, but trying to still pull off the same camera style, same goofy character movements and things like that. And I didn't appreciate that as much this time around. Because I don't recall Returns being that heavy. Returns is really bad that way. Oh, dude, I love I, Returns. I do too. I and love I love Returns so much. I probably just, I probably pushed it out of my head because I love the movie so much. <laughs> Damn it. I'm going to have to go back and watch it now. It's not so much the 1960s camp. It's Burton. It's Tim Burton's way that he films characters. And I thought that, and I was actually trying to pick my mind. It's the like, same way in Beetlejuice. See, and I'll have to go back. I, I love Tim Burton, and I've seen almost everything he's made. And it's just, maybe I haven't thought about that in such a long time, or maybe I pushed that out of my head, because it was so jarring in this movie. I actually did stop after I watched it and thought to myself, are Tim Burton's movies like this? There were a lot of scenes that they were trying to emulate comic book-like angles from. The The big one for me yes. was that like top-down shot of Gotham. On the with roof? Batman on the roof and him walking into the, like, off off the balcony. Yes, with his cape kind of falling behind him yeah. with a shadow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And there's a lot of those shots, and they're not... I see what they were, what they were trying to do, but that's a shot that would require CGI. Uh-huh. And they don't, they don't have it, so they do this funny, like, paint-out thing, and it doesn't, it doesn't work. If somebody were to go back and, like, digitally adjust this movie it would probably be really good george lucas it up not not to that extent (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you don't want ATSTs rolling down Gotham no. and Batman having to... Oh, okay, fine, fine. No, I want ATSTs equipped with walkie-talkies. Ooh, yes, absolutely. And and made smaller <laughs> so they can have a conversation with you face-to-face to cover up the character that they don't want in the movie anymore. Yes, yes. Kind of, kind of springboarding off of your comment, Dan, the most jarring visual effects scene in the entire film for me is when Joker falls. Yeah, Holy that like goofy, that like bad. reverse, like they, they drop something in it. It was like drawn. It was, well, it was drawn. And then like when he hit the paint, they did this like super zoom in on a bubble popping in reverse. Uh-huh. I think to me it's, it's upsetting because literally the year before we had Die Hard. Which I will say, and I know that it's actually gotten comments on this, is absolutely one of the best filmed version of a falling death scene out there. When Hans Gruber falls off that building the way that they shot it with the flailing body double and everything like that, it just holds up so damn well. And the fact that they actually dropped Alan Rickman without letting him know, because they said they are going to drop him on three, but they dropped him on, I think, two. So his genuine look of terror on his face, like, that was a year before this movie. And it looks so real that today when you watch Die Hard, you can honestly see. It's like, holy shit, is that Alan Rickman really falling off a building? Because it's that seamless. Nothing looks out of place. This, I I don't think I've ever had that feeling from this movie before. I don't know what it was about watching it this time, but this time I was just like, what? The? I had to actually stop and pause the film because I couldn't realize what I had just seen. I've, I've I mean, I've seen older movies and I've I've scoffed at a few things here and there and chuckled, but... This is probably the worst example that I've seen, and this has not held up at all. No, it really hasn't. And there's a, there's a lot of that in this movie, which is unfortunate, because it's... I really enjoyed this yeah. movie. See, I'm on the opposite side. I, I feel like every time I watch it, I enjoyed it a little oh, less. But I was seeing so much, like, so many things that the later movies that get more renown are pulling from. Yeah. So, like, the Tim Burton Batman movies, which aren't considered canon at all at all Uh, are what movies nowadays are basing characters and ideas off of exactly it it really set the stage for a lot of things to follow a lot of things (laughs) not just movies comic books tv shows and i want to know who did the church and church tower combination end sequence first because that's all i could think about at the end of the movie was is it this movie that has this moment in the tower and it's like no that's a different movie which movie is that i don't know because there's so many movies that end in a church where they go up a church tower and like do their last Cowboy sequence Bebop. up there <laughs> How, Cowboy Bebop. is it in a church tower yeah. though? i mean i mean because i thought I mean, spike it w- falls out a stained glass window window but yeah that wasn't in the like up by the bells that was no no just it's, it's not up the steeple no the i mean it floor. is for the live action like they fight up in the the, yeah, the, yeah. the bell tower there's so many movies that do it that it started to make me wonder where did it start it could have been all the way back to comic books but i was just like i tend to like these sequences because i remember little bits and pieces from all of them but i can never remember which <laughs> one the it worst. is Especially now that like, so it's always a surprise. Like, I'm watching more movies because because of you know having to do this podcast that I'm like having to pause movies and like spend time like researching. I researched something that I couldn't believe. So all these years, ever since I was a wee youngster, I always thought that the movies only got it wrong in one movie 
where Batman kills someone. Oh no, Batman kills a lot of people. Oh my god, I looked up the kill count, it's over <laughs> 17 or 18. And I was immediately, when I think of these, I think about Batman Returns, because there's that one scene in the beginning where all the, the jesters and crap are all over the town square, just like wreaking havoc, and Batman comes in for the first time, torches one of them with the afterburner on the Batmobile, but then the more pronounced one is there's a guy that blocks him when he's walking through the park, and he shoves a grenade on him, and then throws him down a, throws him down an open exposed like manhole cover thing, and you hear the explosion afterwards. Like he straight up kills people. So coming into this one, I'm like, I wonder if he does kill anybody in this one. And I was shocked at the amount of things that I saw. <laughs> Absolutely shocked. Like, he's a straight-up fucking stone-cold murderer in this movie in some scenes. Well, that's... I mean, that's... People get the... what People get Superman and Batman's, like, I won't kill people mantra screwed up because Batman will not kill innocent people. Unless it's necessary. Unless it's absolutely necessary. Superman yes. will not kill people, period. But you have the comics and you have the sequels and it shows Batman will go out of his way... To always string up henchmen, tie them up, deliver them to GPCD. Like, doesn't matter what he has to do to get them to be arrested and pay for their crimes. And he's still trying to do that for even the batshit crazy bastards who have half a face or, you know, are poisoning water supplies or scaring people with fear toxins. Like, it doesn't matter how bad the threat is, Batman always tries to take them alive because he believes in the rehabilitation. So, to come into this movie after so long... Nah, it's because he believes in sequels. He does believe in sequels, <laughs> yeah. But to, but to come in this one after not seeing it for so many years, I was I was floored. I was just... I was laughing like a madman at some of the scenes. It's like, the Batmobile goes tearing ass into Axis Chemicals and drops off a grenade at someone's foot, and the whole place starts exploding. It was not a grenade. I'm just like, holy shit. Grenades, and those weren't grenades. Those are definitely bombs. Well, yeah. <laughs> And then and I'm, I'm sitting there slack-jawed. I'm just like, holy shit, as the whole place is exploding. And then the Batmobile comes roaring out, and Batman's standing there. And I'm like, is this a cop-out? Like, did he technically not kill them because he wasn't driving the Batmobile per se? <laughs> like, <laughs> Alfred pushed the button. Yeah, yeah. Alfred's got less of a conscience than he does. Alfred has war experience. He's, he does what needs to be done. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it was Vicky, who knows? Talking about things that this movie got wrong, there's a small joke which, how it's delivered in this movie, makes me believe that a lot of people weren't thinking, since it's a photography joke, and you have to be surrounded by people who understand photography when you're making a movie, because it's taking 24 frames of still pictures a second. It's photography. So when... Knox makes the joke to uh, Vicki Vale that she'd need a long lens as referring to his dick. <laughs> He's actually being self-deprecating because long lenses are so you see further away. Yes. Yep. The joke should be you'll need a wide-angle lens. Yes. That is a great call So you can get out. more in. Except for he's a reporter, not a photographer, so maybe he doesn't know. And just like, long, yeah. But it just doesn't land that way. It lands like, you gotta see my big dick. And it's like, no, you're saying she's gonna need help seeing your tiny penis. That's what he's saying. 
And I think they wrote that that way on purpose. <laughs> it just shows how dumb he is. Maybe. So I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Let's hope that's let's hope that's the case because it didn't come across like that was supposed to make him stupid. It was. I don't know. I just heard that and was like, really? Okay. No, that's a great call out. That is a good one. And halfway through the movie, I started getting the feeling that all the sets started looking like walking through the lines at Six Flags where they're trying to like put you in the mood of the film that they're the ride's based on. I was like, Either Six Flags is really good at replicating the movie, or the movie's building cheaper sets. One of the two. <laughs> yeah. The Batwing at the end. I'm not going to fault it for using a miniature That's set. Not, can we not talk about the... It's, <laughs> I'm um, not going to fault it for the miniature set. Mm. What I will fault it on is this is the first time that I've actually paid attention and heard at least four distinct different sounds of the thing flying. <laughs> And the scene where it's coming <laughs> towards Gotham, it's got the rocket sound. Like, <sighs> then there's the scene where it's turning to Gotham, and it's got straight up UFO sounds, almost like it's from <laughs> Mars Attacks. Yep. And I actually stopped. I'm like, holy shit, what? And then next thing you know, it's it's got like this low flying airplane dive bombing sound effect. It's it's constantly changing what it sounds like. I never realized that. No, it's because it's constantly changing what it's doing. I guess. At one point, it's T-posing with the moon. Another point, it's dive-bombing. I was going to try to get you guys' take on the moon, because I'm interested to see where that lands, whether it's good or bad. I like the aesthetic. I love the aesthetic. It's corny as hell. It's corny. It looks great. I I love the way it looks. I'm not going to lie. I'm a fan. The fact that they use a bat signal at the end of the movie tells you where your level of realism should be. Yeah. So having the moon thing is fine. But that moon thing is used a bunch in other movies later. Like E.T.? Other Batman movies. I think E.T. was before this. Using (laughs) Yeah, E.T. was well before this because this is the end of the 80s. Yes. So it's probably like a gentle (laughs) nod towards E.T., but I love the way that the bat plane looks in the moon. It looks so damn cool. Yeah, but how about that scene with the Joker? Uh, I feel like he wasn't trying to miss and I'm genuinely concerned for somebody who's so well thought out as Batman is and with Alfred as the second second guy in charge that a targeting system that literally locks onto a man standing in the middle of the road not moving can't hit with not only missiles but two mounted 50 cal machine guns absolutely that was that was aggravating (laughs) and then he pulls out the comet world's largest gun and just one shot goodbye batwing i still love that gun that that still gets a chuckle out of me right it was definitely inspiration for the new joker come on hit me hit me yep yep (laughs) which is an amazing part of that movie See, that's just it, juxtaposing between the two. That is so much less going on than in this scene. This scene, you got Batman, Luke Skywalkering it up. He's got his, <laughs> he's got his rectacle zeroed in. He's firing off, you know, four to six missiles and, and firing 250 cals at him. And the only reason it doesn't work is because the Joker shoots him with his long gun. Whereas it's much more of an impactful scene in The Dark Knight because Batman is just driving towards him. There's no other context. He's standing the road, hoping Batman runs him over. That is stronger on so many levels than this goofiness. I mean, I, I love this movie, but what the hell? But if the, the Batwing actually did what it was supposed to, we wouldn't have the end of the movie. That's true. I mean, the Batwing was there to take care of the balloons, I guess. Good job, Batwing. Good job, Batwing. I love the design of the balloons. I'll say that. I love the design of those things. 
Now, I know this is a semi-goofy, it's a superhero movie. You're not supposed to think about things too deeply when watching it. (laughs) But I became very interested in how Jack Napier, within a few days of, as he said, died and was reborn, Mm -hmm. with this whole, like, now all his nerve endings are cut and blah, 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 blah. How he pivots from being just regular Jack Napier to this image of the Joker and being able to have helicopters painted with logos, have his goons wear leather jackets with patches (laughs) with the Joker face on it. Where he has all this like it was always made there. stuff. There's a distinct lack of like time. He had to put that order in pretty early after getting turned into the Joker. Damn it, Joan, I'm not going to be able to stop thinking about this. Apparently, Wayne Enterprise isn't uh, hiring enough people because they, you, there's probably plenty of people just willing to do that work real quick. Yeah, it's like Wayne Enterprise has like a foreign print division and it's just got this crazy order for a bunch of clown shit. Okay, let's push it out. Whatever. They want to paint some helicopters? All right. They want matching purple We're coats. a bunch with... of crappy old cars. <laughs> crappy old cars with Whatever. lights turned on the inside. Just... Oh, it's kind of neat. I'll add it to my portfolio. <laughs> Two weeks later, oh my god, what have we done? Wait a second. We did this so good. He paid oh, well, Check though. out that aesthetic. We <laughs> should have put our name on this just so everyone knows to go to us for future business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I knew the shampoo bottle That's... looks funny. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, there's a clown on it. It's funny. The the last thing that I I have any problem with, I mean, and I have very little, to be honest, I have very little problem with this movie, but the lieutenant at the beginning of the movie, it's like... Eckert, or whatever his name is? Who who did... Yeah, who did ADR for this guy? Because they're like, no, this... (laughs) Yes! So ridiculous. I'm so glad you brought that up. (laughs) My biggest problem with him... Is the fact that they go in to chase down Jack Napier and his people, and Eckhart shows up, and Commissioner Gordon says, we're not on Grissom's payroll, and doesn't actually take uh, Eckhart out of that scene. Like, Eckhart still being allowed to be in there and do cop things, I'm doing uh, finger quotes, should never (laughs) have happened, because they know he's on Grissom's payroll, so why would they let him in there? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a very wacky thing to allow. Like, either take that line out. yeah. Or take Eckhart out. Like, exactly. They know, he's, they know he's a dirty cop. Why Why is he still there? Why is he not being detained in some way? In this specific situation, at least. Exactly, exactly. It's just, it's bonkers. That's for sure. <laughs> Although Grisham did send, sell out Jack, but in that case, they saying we're not in the pack, it wouldn't make sense to, I don't know. That part didn't necessarily make sense to me. There's a lot of weird plot holes in this movie that wouldn't stuck out to me i'll go in the same vein with characters here i'm so glad you brought that up joe because that's always bothered me since i was a kid it's like somebody chewing chewing tobacco while smoking a cigar mumbling into a microphone that's at like 40 percent. i've never <laughs> understood his character but i will even say extending the tentacles outward i don't like this jim gordon it, it reminds me too much of like the 60s Jim Gordon. I think that's what they're trying to go for. Obviously, it's completely different, but for me, like the de facto Jim Gordon is going to be Gary Oldman. Absolutely. I I don't know. There's there's just characters in this movie that I don't really care for, and majority of the police kind of uh, fill that bucket, unfortunately. 
So one last question. The scene in the, the bell tower, what was up with Vicky Vale? Was she just tired when she got to the top and that's why she was all slumpy? <laughs> right, I don't recall Did him you see how many her. stairs they had to go up? I mean, I mean, yeah, shit, yeah, but... that was a tall ass tower. <laughs> no one else was tired after getting up there. Batman they was. should have all been in stitches. And then how did all those goons get up there? Helicopter. <laughs> but then they didn't take the Joker and Vicky away, which is what they're waiting for. The helicopter, was, he was waiting for the helicopter to come take them away. No, he had them drop him off with Vicky at the top just to fuck with Batman. And then they picked him up again. Because <laughs> that's just how insane he is. <laughs> they dropped off a, a oxygen tank so he could get his breath, so he could do some weird dancing. But he didn't share it with Vicky because that's... So, so she was just tuckered. Yeah, I don't know what was up with her in that scene. It was so weird. I, she was like in a dreamy state. I never caught the subtle blowjob joke as a kid or even as a younger adult. Really? Yeah, so when she gets down on her knees, I'm just like, what? And it fits the movie, I guess. It fits the movie more than Ghost Blowjob and Ghostbusters. But <laughs> <laughs> I think the last thing that I have to say is about the Joker, and it's I hate when movies do this. And this absolutely caught me the wrong way. I hate them shoehorning in that it was Jack Napier who killed Bruce Wayne's parents. It's kind of like uh, <laughs> it's kind of like Spider-Man Three when they shoehorn in that it was the Sandman. And it's just like I get it, I get it. You want to add just a little uh, bit well, more, and you want to shock the audience. In, you're getting into something that <laughs> we don't know who killed. Batman. And that's how I mean, it should we stay. We know his name is John Chill, but we don't know who. Because it takes away. Or is it Joe Chill? It's Joe Chill. Joe Chill. Joe Chill, yeah. It takes away the whole motivation of the character. If it was simple as revenge of knowing it was Jack Napier all along, what's to say he's not going to hang up his cape after he kills the Joker? Because that's retribution. He killed the man who killed his parents because that's who he was looking for. Versus not knowing who it was or knowing who it was and having it just be some random Joe Schmo off the street. That's more of an impactful thing for the character because it just shows how random and how unpredictable life is and how something can be taken away from you so quickly. It, it kind of softens the blow, if you will, from it being just a freak accident almost to having it turn into this revenge story thing. And I, I, I don't know. I couldn't stand that being part of it. But how else is Batman going to muster up the muscle to beat the Joker if he doesn't have the dance in a pale moonlight thing to... <sighs> I mean, he just killed a shitload of the city? <laughs> the, the way that the story was going, a one-off line that Joker throws at Bruce is what triggers Bruce's memories. It certainly feels kind of shoehorned in there. I actually really, really prefer the Dark Knight, every origin story for the Joker, instead of a very specific origin story for the Joker. And that's that's kind of where this pitfall for the character's always been, is they always get to a point at some point where they just decide, you know what, we should give him an origin. And they always try, and people either go, eh, or they go, okay, kind of fits the character, I guess there's been like one or two successful attempts, but still it's not technically canon and people don't widely still accept it because it's more interesting to have this chaotic bastard who nobody knows where he's from or why he's doing the things he's doing just because he likes to watch the world burn. That's scary. Yeah, absolutely. There are three with an asterisk <laughs> jokers. There's Jack Napier. Mm -hmm. There's Andrew Fisk. Oh, oh. Joe Kim yeah. Yeah. Yo Joaquin. 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 Jo
He's a Joker. <laughs> Joke'em Phoenix. Okay, it fits. It He's fits. born to play this role. <laughs> Is it Andrew Frisk? And Cesar Romano, yeah. I'm trying to think of what the other... But then there's there's the no-one-knows Joker. <laughs> I, I was doing a bunch of research after this because I was trying to figure out, like, what made the Tim Burton films not canon, and I thought it was that they gave the Joker a last name, but Jack Napier's Ben was like is like the the main Joker, and then there's Joaquin Phoenix's Joker, who I can't remember his his act his character's name, and then there's the No One Knows, and the No One Knows has so many different like origins for the Joker. Like one, the Joker was uh, a a a kid who was like left behind and I mean, there was just, there's just a bunch of stuff and then there was the the gotham tv series joker where the joker was a pair of twins what yeah i really i mean i really like i really like gotham i kind of lean on that i heard good things it's, it's never got around it's, to it it's good it it gets cw'd really hard Ooh. so Ugh. okay i would like to go back and finish watching gotham but i have so much other shit that i have to watch right now <laughs> That's the problem. If there's anything that can make the date scenes in this movie even worse, it would be CW staring each other down, trying to eye fuck each other. (laughs) 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 Sorry. uh, I didn't like the date scenes in the movie. They're terribly boring and really slowed this movie to a crawl. That was something I was going to say was that this movie does have some serious pacing issues and it's because, and you've hit, you already hit the point. Like it is because of the, the romance scenes and i like i understand that like we kind of need to have something i mean we don't have to but the movie has it and and in order to have the climax happen the way it happens in order to actually have it have some weight where it's not just the batman and joker which actually fucking neat but uh (laughs) in order to have it have some sort of weight like that you have to have something that batman also has to you know, try to save. Cool. Yeah, have him take Alfred into that. So it kind of makes sense. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Just write Vicky, Vale Vicky Vale out of this movie altogether. Alfred done. Yeah. Oh my God. That would be so much better. Uh huh. Cause then I'm actually invested as well. Cause Vicky, she's fine, but Alfred amazing. I mean, you already, you already had the scene. You could have Vicky in the movie still, but have it be Alfred because you had the scene where he's the fatherly figure, you know, telling her all about, goofy stuff he did in the past and embarrassing him you have the heartwarming oh this guy's awesome scene to put him at the end in peril that's all you need you don't need to have it be a girl that he's got to smooch at the end yeah you can have him smooch alfred that'd be great yeah Um, (laughs) and honestly they're already set up because he was at home watching tv (laughs) anyway right so you have uh alfred give him a, a jolly old drive down to down to the crime and Alfred gets picked up from the... It'd be very funny if they did that. He's got his own Batmobile. Well, actually, which one is it? Is Did it happen in Forever where, like, the Riddler came to Wayne Manor when he wasn't there? And... I forget which Batman story Alfred gets killed. I'm blending I'm blending the movies and the comics now. Oh, yeah. God. Well, he's in all four. Don't kill Alfred. He's in all four. Batman and Robin, he's there coughing all the time. So it's, like, implying he's sick of something. I don't know. Yeah, he's got the he's got the, the Mrs. Freeze disease. Stage one. Mrs. He needs Freeze to get Mrs. Mr. Freeze to give him the antidote so he can save his Alfred. And Alicia Silverstone's there too for some reason. <laughs> why not? 
So before we start talking more about other Batman movies, <laughs> how has your view of this Batman movie changed over time? I don't think it has, to be honest. I, I, I have a good memory of, of these films and outside of like picking it apart, like I would, I would still go back and watch this movie. I wouldn't stop watching this movie. So honestly, I remember there being more date scenes and boredom in this movie, but going back and watching it, I actually uh, was less bored than I remember I was. I still feel wishy-washy towards the Joker since he's uh, bumbling between uh, destructive Joker and chaotic Joker. Chaotic Joker is just such a joy, and uh, I don't think dancing makes you chaotic. Or singing a weird song. Or singing a weird song, <laughs> yeah. or wearing a silly hat. However, I guess it does kind of just all add on top of the weirdness of the Joker. Oh man, can you can you imagine a uh, a cinematic landscape where wearing a strange hat makes you a villain <laughs> or just makes you silly in nature? <laughs> every movie you of watch, I'm silly. Look at my hat. <laughs> yeah, every movie you watch, you see a guy with a silly hat. It's like that's the bad guy. <laughs> just wait and see. I'm fairly certain this is a Monty Python sketch waiting to happen. Oh, for sure. I'm guessing that that might be where they pulled this from. Of course, I'm chaotic. Look at me dancing. And I'm wearing a hat, but I mean, <laughs> I get you saying it's just another layer on top of it. It's it's an odd thing to me, but it's also you know whatever. It's just more layers to the Joker, making him trying to make him an interesting character. But I enjoyed it more this time around. But there's still. <laughs> I guess uh, the nostalgia of Batman and the Batman cartoon specifically, because I was getting strong Batman cartoon vibes from looking, just looking at the aesthetic of the Joker. So there might be more nostalgia behind it, but yeah, it's, it's a fine movie still. I have a hard time. I get this in Returns confused a lot. I don't simply because I've honestly seen Returns maybe half the amount of times I've probably seen the original Batman, and yet I enjoy it so much more. So this is really hard for me to admit, but this movie specifically has had such a huge impact on me growing up, and I, I had the toys, I had the costumes, even into my adulthood I had costumes and stuff like that. It's just everything about it. Danny Elfman's score, everything about this movie was just so detrimental to shaping my childhood. And... I'm not going to lie. Like I said earlier in the, in the recording, every time I go back and watch it, I'd like it a little bit less. Yet, I don't know what the magic ingredients are for Batman Returns, but every time I go back and watch that, I love it even more than the first time. I think for me, it might be the fact that they somehow found a way to balance having Shrek uh, with... Um, uh, they had Shrek with uh, the Penguin, obviously, and a then donkey. also Catwoman. Yeah, the donkey. <laughs> they they had three villains pining for screen time through the whole movie, but it never felt off-kiltered. And the pacing was much better than this film. And there was no detraction, and it was at that sweet spot where the effects were good, and nothing has aged, I don't believe. I, I It's hard for me, because I, I fondly think about Batman and Batman Returns as my two like de facto Batman movies. And it sucks knowing going back to the original, the one that started it all, I feel a little bit less content with every time I watch it. It's it's not a good feeling. And I, I don't know why that is, like I said, but years of having it propped up on nostalgia, I, I feel like the, the rough edges are starting to show for the first time in my eyes. And that's kind of a hard thing for me to have to admit. For me, watching the movie now, I, I come away with the feeling that it's okay. Exactly, it's middling. When I was a kid, I thought it was like 
awesome, there's action and stuff like that. Now it just kind of feels like Dan had mentioned that there's a pacing issue and it's because it doesn't know what to balance to make all the pieces come together, it feels. Because you have all these characters, they don't develop at all none of them change none of them change for the better or the worse i guess jack napier to the joker is like the biggest leap for a character yeah but they keep saying he's a crazy guy he's insane he's gonna kill a bunch of people so he really doesn't he just changes the changes image that goes along with it yeah so it's not it's not an internal change for the character so it's a whole lot of stuff moving around and happening but nothing changes in the end like the movie makes huge leaps without making any explanations on why these huge leaps happened or how they came about it's just like you leave a scene and you know this it's not a long period of time passes but a whole bunch of things changed Mm -hmm. i don't know i in the end i i walked away thinking that this this film is good (laughs) it i think that it's okay and the only reason why i feel the way i do uh positively about the movie is because of nostalgia because of being a kid seeing it in the theaters with my own money (laughs) and enjoying it when i was a kid i kind of give it a pass i kind of do too and it's really difficult to admit that because it's freaking batman it is so responsible for so many things that came after it including my beloved returns it's just it sets so much up and so many things lend their aesthetics lend their character development pace like everything comes down to this movie changing the landscape for superhero movies and the way that narratives can be told for for cartoons and everything going forward but the movie itself it's difficult because it's not one that i'd recommend i mean maybe i'd recommend it for people who hadn't seen it just for one-time funsies but i feel like it's more of an important movie that happened versus something that you're gonna go continuing to be a classic that needs to be watched watched over and over and over yeah 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 it's definitely one of those movies that absolutely needed to happen and I'm, i'm glad for that i'm glad it exists i'm glad it did happen it's just it's 30 years behind me now and i i don't know so does it stand up Mostly. I'm going to say it's kind of a, eh. It's rough around the edges. It is a timeless <laughs> film because you can't set it in in a specific time period. They make yeah. no, they make. I mean, outside the Prince the songs. Prince songs and the Amex card. Like you can't. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting about the Amex card. Same. I pushed it out of my memory, damn it. I, I agree. Yeah, I, I think it can if there's interest. I think if there's no superhero interest or no Batman-specific interest, you know, it's kind of a stretch to get people come along, but that's any fantasy-style movie, and that's what this is. It's a fantasy-style movie. You know, it's hard to get people who aren't interested in that genre to come along. And I just realized something. We didn't talk about the little harpoon coming out of the car oh, and helping it turn. <laughs> How about all the harpoons? Uh, no, this is... Batman's riddled with harpoons. This is Batman 101. <laughs> something to do something that you need to do at the exact moment that you need it. It's wonderful. How he would have planned that he would need this is up in the air. I mean, needing to turn yeah, I mean, the car <laughs> sharply is great. Well, I mean, look at how that car is built. That is a long car. You would definitely, if you have a harpoon like that, have it built into and welded to the frame properly so it would be able to withstand the pressures. However, oh my God, that would have to be so 
heavy duty. Yeah. It's apparently more heavy duty than, than the one he uses on his belt because he can't lift up 108 pounds. Vicky McFat Vicky Vale. Yeah. Nope. She was not 108 pounds. So he's got a fat shamer afterwards. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, I, I do feel pretty hypocritical here complaining about the, the bat grappling hook coming out of the Batmobile when in returns you have at least two scenes I can think of off the top of my head. One, where the little pedestal comes out so he can turn the Batmobile around 360 degrees, or 180 degrees, I mean, and, and torch that juggler. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I sure. That's not this movie, though. That's the... I, I know, I know. And... There's that, and then there's also the uh, the Bat Missile, where the sides of the Batmobile eject off so it can go down the thin alleyway. So in the same vein, it's like, he had to have sat down and really come up with every possible solution of anything that he'd have to modify <laughs> well, I mean, this thing for. If you were to take a quick look at the road layout for Gotham... The Batmobile was not well was not well designed. That's a good point. In its prime form, but being able to like shed off layers of armor and and weapons and stuff to fit into some of this narrow shit that is Gotham and not be stopped by what a garbage truck or whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely forgot about that. I forgot that Batman in all of his prime as as the Dark Knight was stopped by a truck. In the middle of a police chase, he was stopped by a truck. Oh, I'd, I'd love to see that scene play out in the newer Batmans. Like, the tumblers just rolling down the street, and all of a sudden, like, a school bus stops, and he, Batman has to get out and start running. <laughs> just, oh, but that, that would, if it was a school bus full of kids, Batman does not kill innocents. Yeah, yeah. But what if it's a school bus full of nuns that tortured small children We're not in getting into the ethics of, the, ethics of oh, Batman Oh, then right it's now. on. No. Morals of Batman, <laughs> ethics and morals of Batman. Batman, oh man. Bat. What? Bath what man. if it's a? What if it's a bus full of fresh inmates on their way to Arkham, who are all convicted serial killers, but they only kill pedophiles and, and child molesters. But they're all serial killers, and they're all looking to get off the bus and cause hell. Where's Batman stand on that? Didn't they just leave their? They just leave their cereal and milk for hours at a time. Yes, absolutely. So it gets soggy. God Nobody likes it. that. Batman has a spray. He can what spray if they soap. haven't committed the crime yet, but Batman knows from his future computer or oh. his future people that pull balls out and says, these people will commit crimes, Batman, and they're going to be bad crimes. Okay, you can stop it Batman. now. We can stop by now. By murdering them. Yeah, so he's, he's got like a minority report chamber <laughs> in the Batcave somewhere. <laughs> we didn't touch base on that either. I, I still love the aesthetic of the Batcave in this movie. There's like nothing to the Batcave. It's ridiculous. It's a, it's, it's a cave with just a huge one chamber. computer in it, and that's it. I will say that's a detracting point as well, too, for Batman Returns. I keep giving this movie crap, but I keep thinking of stuff from Returns. This movie, you guys are making fun of the Amex card. Batman Returns leans heavily on CD players because CDs like, started to become more adopted. Oh, I that's forgot not. all about he puts, that. He yeah. puts that CD on the Bat CD player and sits there and skips it with his hand. <laughs> He puts a CD in the Batmobile to record the Penguins video. Like, it's just, there's a lot of CD-related things. And I just, I just remember that so strongly, having that Bat CD player in the Batcave. So, yes, I, I guess there are some things from Returns I'm going to have to go back and watch and maybe give this movie a little bit more leniency on, but <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, that was us kicking the tires of the Batmobile and throwing it into the bay because... <laughs> We've shed all the armor and weapons to get down an alleyway to fill it up with gas. And then we found out it only takes premium, and the gas station didn't have premium. 
And we said, screw it. This thing only goes 35 miles per hour anyway and just rolled it into the bay and we're going to collect our insurance <laughs> by watching Batman. Oh, right. There's a Batman in there. <laughs> That's a great point too, Joe. Like, how would you feel if you were asking your friend as they drove you somewhere, hey, where are we going? And they didn't look at you, they didn't answer, and they just sped up. <laughs> they just started going 90. Shine a light in your face. They just started going 90 down the road. Yeah, shine a flashlight in your face. <laughs> So if you could like, rate, review, comment, subscribe, share this episode or others with your friends or anybody who likes 80s and 90s movies and maybe would like to hear a few guys just ramble on about those 80s and 90s movies, we might be the podcast for them too. And up next, I'll pull the trigger here because we've been talking about it, we will watch the movie... Batman Return. Wait, what? Why are we doing Jurassic Park? No, 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 no. What? Batman Forever. Okay. I was told Carnosaur. <laughs> I read to that movie so many times from the family videos when I was a child. Everyone's talking about like they're going to watch Returns again. So I was like, well, maybe we should just watch that. Oh, Batman Returns? Good. Um, returns, Forever, yeah, whatever. Good. Batman and Robin? Well, well no, well, whichever returns. one comes next Re- in the Returns series. comes next. It's the last one with Keaton. Because yeah. the parents got all offended and they said, it's too dark for our children. Even though the Joker electrocutes a man into a skeleton in the first one. And, you know, horribly disfigures his girlfriend and throws her out a window. Yeah, that too. That too. She's fine. I mean, Cat... She fell. Selena Kyle gets thrown out a window, but then she gets licked by cats and everything's okay again. (laughs) (laughs) Outside of a scary penguin, I guess, yeah. So come back in two weeks when we rewind again. Yay! Hooray!